Well, hello. Um, if you've been studying with the church on Sunday morning, um, you'll hear echoes of what Tony um, taught on Sunday. And I was like, oh, good, he did it for me. That's it. I don't have to worry about it. Um, and then if you were here last week at church, Tony talked about stepping out in faith and not just doing things that we're comfortable with. Well, I feel like the Lord has led me through an entire week of practicing that entire thing. Um, had to teach high school, not just high school, but high school math. Um, and then I told Trish when I did the study, I said, do anything but, you know, like that end time stuff. I just don't want to teach on that. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay, Lord. So this is, I have really been laboring in this, and I'm just would like to share what the Lord has put on my heart and what he showed me as I studied the scriptures, and I hope at some point, um, you know, he speaks to you specifically in the way he is wanting to speak to you tonight. So let's pray. Lord, I just ask you to empty myself of me and just fill me of you, Lord, that you would be glorified and that um, lives here would be um, changed tonight, that we would walk closer, Lord, that we would understand you more, that we would be sober in our mindset, and that we would bring you glory in all the things that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the day of the Lord. I'm going to start, I'm not in the workbook, so if you have it, that's great, but I'm going to just kind of go through the passage um, once and then break it down, um, and then you'll do table talk with your workbook later. So uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, this is a continuation of what was kind of last week. It says, Paul saying, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So last time we met, we received that hope and comfort about the rapture of the church. You know, when Jesus returns in the air, we'll be caught up together, never to be separated again. And then this portion is a little different. The believers are being contrasted with those who are unbelievers. So these believers, while waiting for the rapture, are living in an unbelieving world. And Paul's encouraging believers to live holy lives, even while being in the midst of a society that was pagan. Now, let's look, and he's going to contrast the differences between these believers and the unbelievers. So verses 1 and 2, we're going to look carefully at three different phrases exploring the differences between this knowledge and ignorance. So those believers are in the know, and those unbelievers are ignorant. So 
times and seasons. It says, um, this is mentioned only a few times in the Bible. And if you remember last time we met at the study, Abby mentioned it as well. And it primarily refers to God's plan for Israel. And God has a plan and he has ordained times and seasons for the nations and um, for the nations on earth. And all of these times and seasons will lead to the day of the Lord, which is the next phrase. The day of the Lord. There are multiple meanings of the word day. It could mean, you know, the typical 24-hour period or a generalized extended period that fulfills a purpose of God. And so, for example, I'm going to read just two verses in Genesis that explain, uh, have a day used once in one way and once in another way and see if you can pick it out. The day meaning the 24-hour one and the day meaning the period of time. So this is Genesis 2, 3 to 4. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had, create, had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Did you hear it? So the one day was that 24-hour that period. He blessed it, that seventh day. And then the other one, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, meaning that period of time there. Well, that's kind of what we're looking at as we go through here. Um, the period of time that fulfills the purpose of God. So the day of the Lord referenced here by Paul is when God will judge the world and punish the nations, simultaneously preparing Israel for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth to establish his kingdom. Many scriptures reference this time. And if you want to study this further, grab a pen. You can look up some of these. You can look up Joel 2, Amos 5:18 till the end of the chapter, Zephaniah 1, 14 to 18, or Isaiah 2, 12 to 21. And just listen to part of Isaiah um, that I'm going to read to you, and it describes what it will be like. And I have to tell you, there are times that I hear or see things that do not glorify the Lord. And inside of me, I'm like, what? Why? How can these people live like this? How can they, how can they talk about God like that in such an unholy way? And it just like, it gets me all like, oh my goodness, why do people, then they're ignorant. They don't know. But that will not be the case during this time. Listen in Isaiah. The loftiness of man shall be bowed down. And the haughtiness of men shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Mm. How different from what it is right now, right? Right now, people can lift up others and, and famous people and, and careers and whatever it might be. But no, not in that day. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. But the idols he shall utterly abolish. They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. So this time I just described is this time God will judge the world and punish the nations. You know, the last phrase we're going to look at in this first couple of verses is thief in the night. And we need to be sure we are not unprepared or this little phrase has jumped out at me over the last couple of weeks. Um, found living a life full of meaningless activity. We must be alert 
and waiting while we are living in a way that brings glory to God. So let's put these meanings together. So first, remember, Paul already, back we were previously in the chapter before, warned them that a time of intense suffering and tribulation would follow the rapture of the church. The times and seasons are meant for Israel and the nations. The previously studied rapture of the church, which will happen at any time, leads into the day of the Lord. And God has revealed to us his plan. While we do not know the day or the time, he wants us to know that this will catch unbelievers off guard. And in contrast, the believers should be living in expectation of this time. So let's move on. Verses 3 and 5, and I will reread them in a second because I want to reread them with you listening for something. Um, these cover um, what we can expect and how it will be a complete surprise to the unsaved world. Listen to the verses and take particular notice of the pronoun usage. Ready? For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Did you hear the differences there? They, them, you, we. So they and them refer to who? The unbelievers. Very good. And they will be enjoying a false peace and security. They're going to refuse to listen to the warnings and the word of God. And it's no surprise that the world will be caught by surprise. Think of some other times, ready, that God has sent destruction. Let's recount just a couple. How about the earth during the time of Noah? It was corrupt, right? Full of violence. God was grieved and Noah and told Noah the plan to destroy the earth. Hmm. In Matthew, Jesus compares this time to the time when he comes. As in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. People will be going about their daily lives, and it will become as a complete surprise. Okay, that's just one. Let's look at another one. Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord said to these cities, or said about these cities, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sins so grievous that he sent two angels to destroy them. But God was merciful to Lot and his family. They were warned by the angels what was going to happen. And Lot went to warn his future sons-in-laws about what was going to happen, the coming destruction of the city, and they thought he was joking. Isn't that crazy? The only people to survive were Lot and his two daughters. His wife, while she did make it out of the city, looked back, disobeying what the angel said not to do, and turned to a pillar of salt. Even Lot, the angels had to practically drag out, like, let's go now, you know? And I think that, you know, we live in a comfortable time when it seems like God is so merciful. He's so merciful, and he is. But there will come a time when this will not, that's it. There would be enough that, that you know more of this. And the, the Lord is going to take that time 
and it will be all brought to right before him. And he's going to be bringing low the haughtiness of men. So in contrast to unbelievers, you and we should be living fully aware of this reality. We should be living expectantly of his return. We should be making the most of the time there is left in in the service as unto the Lord that we can do. Whatever he's given you, whatever you're Whatever is before you, that you work at it as unto the Lord. Our days should be marked by meaningful living that brings glory to God. Our daily walks should be a strong witness to the unbelieving world. We do not take um, our validation from the world's acceptance of us or what we're doing, but rather what pleases the Lord. And that is counterculture. The culture tells you, do whatever you want. Do what pleases you. You deserve it. You only live once, right? But that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to please him and do the things that please him, to seek him out. Well, let's look at the next few verses, six, and eight, six through eight. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So here Paul goes in to contrast the believer and how they differ and how they live as an unbeliever. The unbelievers are in darkness and will be surprised, again, we've mentioned that, while believers live in the light with alertness and self-control. Last time we were together, asleep meant something different. Do you remember? Asleep was used to describe those believers who had died before the Christ's promised return. Remember that? But this time... The usage of asleep is used to describe the condition of someone's spiritual, how they, um, someone is being indifferent or careless about spiritual matters. So how do they um, concern, how do they think on things that are of spiritual matter? And they are asleep, not aware of it, not taking any notice of it. Paul clearly points out the difference between unbelievers and believers and listen to this description. There's two different descriptions of one, the sober-minded believer, and two, the unsaved people of the world. This is how Warren Wearsby describes this. He says, the sober-minded believer has a calm, sane outlook on life. He is not complacent, neither is he frustrated and afraid. He hears the tragic news of the day, yet he does not lose heart, and he experiences the difficulties of life but he does not give up. He knows his future is secure in God's hands, so he lives each day creatively, calmly, and obediently. But the unsaved people, they're not alert. They are like drunken men living in a false paradise, enjoying a false security. While the Holy Spirit filled the first Christians at Pentecost, the unsaved people accused the Christians of being what? Drunk, right? Well, in reality, it's the unsaved who are living the drunken, like drunken men. The sword of God's wrath hangs over the world, yet people live godless lives, empty lives, and rarely, if ever, give any thought to the eternal matters. What is the difference between these two, right? Are, is someone living in the security of God or in the ignorance of seeking to please themselves, unaware of the spiritual condition before God? Well, he also reminds them, this is Paul, that they should not be asleep like the world is, but rather to be alert and self-controlled. 
You know, back in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, we saw the trio. Who can remember the trio? I taught on this one too. I was like, oh man, I'm kind of getting like this, this, this is like the theme that's gone through here. Who remembers? No, the, um, yes, who said that? Faith, hope, and love, right? Okay, so that trio, guess what? It's back. And here Paul uses them again as he describes how we can use them to protect us, right? To preserve us from this perverse world. He describes faith and love as a breastplate that protects our hearts and faith in God and love as, as is commanded for us to do to others. The protector of our minds is the hope of salvation like a helmet. Well, let's take on the last few verses. Ready? 9 through 11. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are doing. Well, these last few verses should bring us comfort, that we who have received salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ will not suffer the wrath of God. Whether we live to see the coming or we die before he returns, we will live together with him. Knowing this should spur us on to build each other up in the Lord. So what should our response to this be? We should be avoiding a life full of meaningless activity and instead living with eyes wide open in anticipation and with intention. You know, have you ever met someone who knew their days were numbered? just went through this with my mom. Can I tell you they live differently? They avoid meaningless things. They spend time on things that matter. You know, let us live like we know our days are numbered, for Christ will return at any time. As I penned this, I wrote, Christ can return at any time. No, he will And I think as I thought about when my mom was going through everything, she took all the things that were meaningless, conversations that didn't need to be had. I would talk to her and bring something up, and she'd say, Bethany, that's not really that important. I was like, yes, you're right, Mom. You know, it really was very, here you go, here's the word, sobering, right? It brought you to a new realization in your mind on what is important and what is not important. You know, I, um, when I talked to Tony about this, I said, I can't believe you do this every week. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, sometimes I just don't know what to say. And he said, well, speak the word. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but as I really was pondering this, and I was thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, Lord, what do you want us to do? And Ephesians 5 came to mind. And I would just like to close This is how God wants us to live. This is what he wants us to do. Are you ready? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, 
nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partnered with them. For you were once darkness, but now you're light. In the Lord, live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention that what disobedient, uh, what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed to the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he wants us to live. It's in his word. And as we think about and ponder that the time will come when it will be the day of the Lord and there will be judgment on the nations, it shouldn't surprise us. What will we be caught doing? Will we be serving the Lord? Will we be seeking out what pleases him? Will we be putting aside the meaningless things, but making our time intentional? Lifting up each other, pouring into one another, speaking the word to each other in encouragement? I hope so.